Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking killing, killing Me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And happy holidays, y'all. Happy New Year. 2020. It's January. But actually, 2020. Who else <laughs> has massive anxiety because of 2020? Me. And literally everybody I talk to. Yeah. It's like weird on social media. Everybody's like, end of a decade. It's blah, 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 so blah, blah. Also, the end of a decade isn't until 2021. Like, 10 years? You have to include this year. Oh, yeah. So, like, fuck you guys. You're all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and everyone's, like, posting pictures of 10 years ago and looking back and posting, like, new goals. And I'm like, this is anxiety-inducing. Yeah. I will not post a picture of me from 10 years ago. If you were that interested, you can go through my Facebook and find it. I'm not giving you that evidence. <laughs> Every single one of our followers just logged onto Facebook, went to Corinne's profile, and went through her profile. Yeah. I'm making everything private. And it's going to be like... <laughs> it's going to be me with short hair. It's going to be like pictures at like a weird Buck Cherry concert. Oh, no. It's going to be like a bush party. <laughs> yeah. Anyway... Uh. So if you're having crazy anxiety because of this new decade like us, join the, join the, join the group, join the group. You can talk to us about it. Yeah. We also hate it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like January 1st. I think it's stupid. (laughs) Nobody's happy. I'm always hungover. Right. It feels like someone's standing on my chest. Yeah. I feel very unmotivated to do any sort of work lately. Yeah. Also because like you said, we just didn't drink water for two weeks while we were back home. (laughs) Yeah. Why is it, it's like such a thing that I only do at my parents' place. It's like all of a sudden I get back home and I just drink wine and coffee and constantly eat. There's like no room to get hungry. Yeah. (laughs) On day four, I looked at my sister and I was like, I don't think I've eaten anything that didn't have a cheese base in four (laughs) days, like since we arrived. (laughs) Like, and whether it be cream cheese, whether it be like brie, whether it be like a weird spinach dip, I don't know. I just ate so many dips. (laughs) And uh, now I feel terrible, but you know, see, Libby, see, Libby. I'm, I feel gross. I'm dehydrated, and people keep telling me it's the end of a decade. I'm not happy. It's not. Yeah, it is not. Anyway, this week we have Emma Williamson, the writing saint, who is a poet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings up an interesting thing that's happened recently. Yes, if you are all also watching, you know, the trending feeds on Twitter or on Facebook. You noticed that um, there was a post about the top uh, writer of the decade, top poet of the decade. She's a Canadian this year. Yeah, which is amazing. A yeah. Female, female Canadian. Person of color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was Rupi Kaur, who we've talked about many times. Mm-hmm. And people lost their fucking minds. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently it, they disagreed with it. And um, we thought that was really interesting. Because we had this episode with Emma that we had just recorded, yeah. and we wanted and, to talk about it. Yeah, and we get into that a little bit, and how Instagram has kind of changed how people publish, how people show their work, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, to, the, to the haters that are saying that, you know, Ruby Kaur isn't the writer of the decade, isn't the poet of the decade, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not a poet genius i'm not, not a writer genius but we can't disagree with her success right and with success and the numbers alone she's clearly touching people in a way mm-hmm. she is successful in her work mm-hmm. she is finding a way to communicate that people are also responding to yeah i don't know a single woman 
who doesn't own Milk and Honey. Right. Her first book. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't own it, I suggest reading it. It like, I read it, I think like four or three years ago and it like changed me definitely. Oh yeah. Well, you read it and then you were like, Corinne, read it. And then I read it and then we made Let Her, or no, uh, we made... Blade and Silk. Blade and Silk. Yeah. We made a film off of it. Yeah. Or off, inspired off the poetry. Right. And... You know, just some stats. Um, the National Endowment for the Arts did some number crunching, and they say that seventy poetry has uh, increased by seventy six percent between two thousand twelve and two thousand seventeen in adults. Yes, yeah. and I really attribute that to um, her success. Yeah, because and we, like, there's Instagram poets all over now. Yeah, and it's definitely creating like some sort of fad. Or would you just call it a fad? I don't know. Um, it's creating like. For me, poetry always felt inaccessible right. because I wasn't like a literary scholar or genius or felt like I understood it. Mm-hmm. So it made it accessible in the fact that I was a understanding what I read and was connecting to it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also took a poetry class in 2011 <laughs> and it was the worst course I've ever taken <laughs> in university and it made me hate poetry. And then I started reading Rupi Kaur and I like bought like multiple books. I bought like the princess saves herself this time. Mm-hmm. I've bought like a couple of them in there. Yeah. And now I like enjoy that type of poetry. Yeah. So totally. And people can call it shallow or whatever they want to, but if you're childlike, con- yeah. is one of the quotes that's said, but if you're connecting to it, you're connecting to it. Mm-hmm. And if someone is touring with their poetry because people are connecting to it and you can't translate in 35 different languages yeah you can't call it unsuccessful and you can't call her i don't know whatever they're saying you can't say her effect didn't help poetry yeah because clearly yeah maybe it's not the sole purpose of why yeah. that number has gone up but it definitely has some reason yeah yeah and millions of people will disagree with you so just go like what you like and also, stop just like, who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, it's not like she was, like, on Instagram, like, bragging about it. No. I don't think she's even responded to it. She doesn't give a fuck. No. You know? Yeah. And she hasn't given us a reason to, like, bash her and lose our fucking minds about it. No. And, like, what we, like we've said before a thousand times on the podcast, someone's success doesn't take away from your success. Exactly. It's not a zero-sum game. Do your thing. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, Ruby Crew is amazing doesn't mean Sylvia Plath didn't exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're really excited to have Emma on. And she was so lovely. She's so nice. Yeah. Here we go. Hi, everyone. I'm Emma Williamson. I'm a poet and fiction writer based in Toronto. It's pretty amazing how the same like crazy roller coaster accompanies every single creative act, though, across all creative disciplines. Like, totally. And you always think you're the only one going through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll have a day and I'm like, I literally am the worst writer ever. Everything I wrote today sucked. I'll never make it. Everyone's going to hate me, blah, blah, blah. The next day I'm like, wow, this paragraph. Yeah, this is good. I've got (laughs) promise here. The next day I'm like, eh. Yeah. Like mediocre. (laughs) And it's really hard because you feel like you can't be a judge of your own work. Mm -hmm. And kind of by definition, other people end up being the judges of your work, which is like... I don't know how I feel about that right now. Right. Yeah. I think like, yeah, I don't think you are ever like the judge of your own work because you've created something. That's it. I mean, if, if you're doing it for like yourself mm-hmm. and it's a work that you're creating for your, for yourself and maybe it's just like a practice or it's a research work. Yeah. I think that like it, yeah, it's really hard to be, um, clear. It's also like hard to like kill the work. 
like kill the word that I was going to use. <laughs> and I really tried not to use that phrase. I know which, we which call phrase you're talking baby. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say darlings. Kill your darlings. Oh, yeah. Oh, same, same idea. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't come up with that myself. I think it was a Jack Kerouac. I don't know. Some yeah. mm-hmm. smarter person than I. Yeah. <laughs> and just like killing it is like a huge issue that I think mm-hmm. artists have. And I don't think that like they teach how to do that in like institutions enough or no, for sure. know, maybe they do teach that but like I don't think that it's like I think it's something that people like repress once they're out in the real world and Definitely. like doing their art they like yeah. are just like yeah I can do it it's fine I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing right. this and or are they working on a project and they fear that everything if they don't have something it's going to be like incomplete right mm-hmm. right so so she was talking about so in fringe it's like a lottery yeah. um but they don't have different categories for dance it's just like 60 minutes and oh. it's extremely hard to make a 60-minute dance. dance piece. Yeah, yeah. Like, the only people doing that are, like, the professionals that yeah. tour the world. Yeah, right. Right? And so we were talking about that maybe that Fringe needs to revamp. And I think that's, like, also part of it. You're trying to, like, fill a gallery. You're trying yeah. to fill yeah. a book. Mm-hmm. You're trying to fill 60 minutes, <laughs> you know? And you're trying to, like, meet certain, arbi- maybe not arbitrary, but, like defined that may or may not fit yeah Yeah. and you're like oh shit i just like have to put everything in because i have no choice or else it's not quote-unquote good also this doesn't make sense if this isn't in there yes yeah but it makes sense to other people because they're not in the work and they're not the ones seeing it right maybe yeah it's i think that's yeah it's interesting for dance i mean i can definitely see that with dance i think for writing it's a similar but different issue i mean if you're, if you want to be a novelist, for example, just social media, let's say you don't, you can't put your novel on Instagram. I mean, you can put the cover of it, but you're not sharing, you know how there's this whole thing about sharing your work, Yeah. but really only short snippets, like what the kind of poetry I post and and millions of other people are posting, not just me. Yeah. That's what translates best to Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that's really tricky because what if you like for, I haven't written any new poetry in a couple months. I'm working on other stuff. That's frankly more important right now. And I'm like, well, what the fuck do I... Oh, sorry. Excuse my language. What, Go for there's, it. I swear <laughs> the title. <laughs> what do I share with people? Right. Like, I can't really share what's going on in this chapter because I don't really even know how to share that. Like, I, right. it just doesn't translate well. And so you end up... Um, I mean, I did... Over the last few days, I did write a few short pieces that I want to share soon. But again, it's sort of that weird tension between if your work doesn't quite fit the medium or the competition or whatever, mm-hmm. what do you do? Um, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. Right. And we're all just trying to be seen and be heard and trying to do that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Like make yourself discoverable. What does that mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means it, lately it means pay for pretty much. Ads. Yeah. Pay for sponsorship. Much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or pay for followers. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that's, I mean, in, and I'm not really, I'm not familiar with the dance world, especially on Instagram, but I know that in the poetry world, there's literally millions of poetry accounts now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How, it's so saturated. And how do you possibly differentiate yourself or stand out? Oh, yeah. And it's very, it can be very discouraging. Yeah. Very discouraging. There's also a lot of, like, books that have come out in the past two years that are, like... That's so true. You know, like, Rupi Kaur kind of, like, oh, really yeah. changed, like... She really did. Yeah. And you got to like admire whether... Poetry. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. I, interrupted you. I was just going to say, you got to admire whether or not you like her work. I mean, she completely... That had never been done before. But yeah. she found a way to relate to, like, women. Like, mm-hmm. every woman I know has read that fucking oh, book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> everyone owns a copy of that book. Yep. 
I do. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I both. I, yeah, I both do. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, yeah, she really like. I felt like after milk and honey started being a thing, you know, we slay the dragons ourselves. This mm. time came out. Oh, or that's like, Amanda. Yeah, Lovelace or Love something. I may have been saying that wrong too. Loveless, maybe. Maybe it's like know. we slay their or like. There was a bunch of them. Anyway. Something about the fairy tale. I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's a bunch of books that came out that were all poetry based and all yeah. like just different poems based on yeah. that. So it's I mean, clearly like also going towards like a women's market. Is that yeah. meant to say? Or how many before like Rupee, mm-hmm. just because I'm not a, in a mm-hmm. big poetry fan, um, how many other like women poets were kind of working in the same vein of like... I, I honestly, I mean, I'm not an expert. I didn't do a degree in poetry or anything. So I just, yeah. I'm just a, I'm a poetry lover. Yeah. Um, I honestly can't think of a single, I mean, she revolutionized poetry. Right. Like because of her. Well, and I shouldn't say just her. I mean, there are other amazing poets like Ursa Daly Ward, who I don't know if you guys have heard of her. She wrote an amazing book of poetry. I think she self-published it. And then it was later republished by Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikita Gill like anyway the the bottom line is there are a group of poets who I think started their own thing kind of using social media to you know they couldn't get published quote traditionally and they started doing their own thing and then for whatever reason in the early days of of these apps like it really took off Mm -hmm. she's sort of I would think the most well-known of them like she's got I think a million or more followers on Instagram. She's like, her book was on bestseller lists. Mm -hmm. But before that poetry, I mean, uh, sales of poetry books have like skyrocketed. I don't know what the percentage is, but because of her and and other women. So, and not just women, I think uh, R.H. Sin is another sort of Insta famous poet. And he did, he's done very well. But now people are discovering the older poets and the less well-known poets, and it's great. I mean, mm-hmm. ultimately, it's a good thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good thing for the, the, like the genre. Exactly. Right? Yes. And other poets whose work is now being discovered. So, um, But it is kind of tricky when, like, I don't know how much po- poetry you guys read, when someone like Anne Sexton, who's, in my view, like one of the greatest female poets of all time, well, poets, female, male, doesn't matter, um, you ca- you're kind of like, oh, but why wasn't she discovered? Well, the answer is because she lived a long time ago. But right. it's just, I don't know, sometimes it can be tricky. Um, and it gets into the question of, like, what's good poetry? Well, it depends on the time period. It depends. Right. Is good poetry defined by the academics or is it defined by the audience? Right. Yeah. Right. I was just going to ask that question because I think, I mean, we all know what a poet we know we have an idea of a poem, mm-hmm. you know, we don't actually know like the correct way to some people, a lot of people don't know the correct way to write one or like we maybe know haikus, yeah. but we don't yeah. know like what the proper formatting is, what yeah. equals like good writtenness versus not. So all we know is like words that we read mm-hmm. and how we feel based on the words, even That's though it. we probably aren't reading the words, how they're meant to be read, punctu- like speaking in punctuation. Yeah. Or speaking and how it's formatted. Yeah. So it really is just like how people connect with like just the words, just taking all that out. I think if you touch people with what you write, then that's, I mean, that is an aspect of good poetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I think people related to what these early Insta poets were saying. It was a straightforward way of communicating. It's, it's not as sort of artsy 
couched in metaphor. Yeah. It's just a more straightforward, almost like you're reading someone's diary type of way of writing. And I think, yeah, obviously people relate to that. Yeah. Which is valid. Um, But it's also tricky because then, again, now everyone writes poetry. It's super saturated. Mm -hmm. Um, I found some great poets on Instagram that I follow that I've developed relationships with, and that's been good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it can can be a bit discouraging. How do you set yourself apart? How do you make sure you're not just viewed as like, oh, some chick who writes poetry and puts it on Instagram? Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of that, oh, how to... Yeah. How do you... I feel like poetry is also is often something that's like very personal mm-hmm. yeah. to the author. And how do you feel about putting that out there? I guess is my that's question. a very good question. It's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, I think most people assume that everything you write is directly related to you or your life. More so right. with poetry than with fiction, even fiction. Um, I, I sometimes even find myself reading something and being like, ooh, I wonder if that happened to her or him, the person mm-hmm. who's writing you it. Often, it's, sorry, you don't. Yeah, no, I find myself mm-hmm. reading my favorite authors. I'm like, ooh, she's definitely had personal experience with that. I'm like, wait a second, I don't actually know that. Mm-hmm. Right, right, But right, with right. poetry, you're right. People often, I've actually had people, <laughs> um, usually friends of mine, people I do know um, in real life, reach out to me and be like, oh, I saw your poem you posted, like, is everything okay? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm totally fine. I wrote that poem a year ago. Yeah. I right. just posted it because I realized I'd never posted it and I wanted to share it. And, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. And, and it sort of always stumps me. I'm like, why would they, th- why would they think that? Why would they assume right. that just because I wrote, like, as if you can only write from your own experience. But I also get it. I think poetry is seen as a form of personal expression and often is the emotion is personal. Like you're writing from a place of emotion, but I think you, so I think the emotion is real and, and, and personal, but I think, I think you have to realize that it doesn't state some fact about the person's life who wrote it. Mm -hmm. Or you can, you said earlier about, um, reading into something and maybe you take a different meaning away from what the author intended. A lot of the times there's that. Yeah, that will happen. You're coming in with your own bias whenever yeah. you read something or watch something, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's tricky. Um, how do you... There's been stuff I've wanted to post, but I haven't because I'm worried someone's going to misunderstand it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have to be like, disclaimer, I never actually did this or this never actually happened to me, but, I'm, but I want to try to tap into a universal truth about what it means to be human. Right. Nothing more. Right. Um, so I don't really have an answer, to that other than to say it's difficult. <laughs> right. You're always a bit paranoid that someone's going to read into it or think too much of it, mm-hmm. not realize that you wrote it years before, right. not, you know, not some people have assumed that I wrote a poem about something and they knew what it was. I'm like, cause that's fr- friends of mine. Right, right. That's also like a weird projection. It is yeah. definitely a weird projection. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I've had to be like, that's not what that was about. So it is. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's tricky. Right. And when your family members start following you and like, Oh yeah. Guys you used to work with and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Oh, well, this is my life now. Yep. <laughs> okay. But it's just, I think it's just part of it. I think you have to just accept that there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations. There's going to be some misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. Also, like, who cares if you're never going to see these fucking people? That's it. Right? 
And you can delete DMs, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can <laughs> delete DMs. Bye. <laughs> right. No, and, and I mean, and I, I don't take it personally because I, it's not really about me. Mm-hmm. at the right. end of the day, mm-hmm. but it has, it has given me pause, which I'm trying to get past. Cause there, is, there are a few things I want to post, but I don't want people asking me questions about them. And I just, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, you could turn off the po- comments true, on your true, Instagram. Yeah, true. You'd be true. like, not for this one. <laughs> I guess you guys don't really have that with dance, right? I mean, I don't think people assume that your, your choreography or your performance art is about you personally, or do they? Uh, I think it really depends on the on the material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've had material done, and it depends which way you work. Like, yes. I mean, the Bonnie Kim work is going to be, she works in this me- method that Tom Strauss um, originated, which is, like, based off Strat- Strat- oh, Strasburg technique, which is, like, okay. an acting method where you, like, dig into, like, um, emotions through, like, okay. a deeper connection. Oh, cool. So when material is created because of that, mm-hmm. or because of an experience you had, I think it's when it's full body and the face and everything is involved, I think it's, you kind of have those. Yeah. People might assume. Also, anytime you're like acting, acting, dancing, right? So like anytime you're like put into a story, it's just like, oh, this is about this. Cause you're not able to be like, this story is about blah, blah and blah, blah. And that's a lot. You're just like acting about that. Right. And then people are like, oh, that was clearly about you and blah, blah. And you're like, no, it was about this, like this narration. That's interesting. um, So people even... Or sometimes you do make a work that is about something and you want people to feel a certain way and then they like don't. They do. Oh, and yeah. then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. So yeah. awesome. <laughs> Great. Try it. Try again next time. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I guess I'm going back to the drawing board. Right. I guess I can see that even with actors. I mean, I'm sh- I've been guilty of this. Maybe you guys have too. You think someone's like the character they played in a movie. And then you mm-hmm. see them interviewed that you're like, oh, wait, wait a second, what? And then you realize I was completely just wrong. Oh, like, yeah. My brain told me that they were like this because they portrayed this character. How could I not right. have? Especially the actors that play the same character. Well, there is over that. Over and over <laughs> and over. Exactly. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> I've had issues, though, where, like, because I choreograph competitive dance. Awesome. And when I'm choreographing so, um, solos or duets, sometimes I have um, people in who are in the audience come up and ask who like are I know or like because it's grew up in the same town or something and they think it's about stuff like That's I've had so like funny, ex-boyfriends eh? mothers and sisters oh, come they up have not. during after duets and stuff <laughs> and I'm like no or even if it is I'm just like no what's that jo- what's that Joni you just reminded me of the Joni Mitchell song or no, no not Joni Mitchell Carly Simon i you What's that song? Call you're so name. vain. Oh, oh yeah. you're so vain, yeah. I bet you think the <laughs> totally. song is about you. Like, guaranteed. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> Everyone will. I think people, There maybe there are some people that want to think that they would be the subject of something you would write or, or perform or whatever. Yeah. That I they would move you yeah. that much. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, I'm glad that you were affected by it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I hate you. But that's so tricky because yeah. we want, like you said earlier, I think it was you that said earlier um, that you you do it you, you create something intending for it to cause a certain type of reaction. Yes. But the reality is you've no control over the reaction oh, that people are going to have, and they proje- and their own their reactions are a result of their own projection and situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And that I find I don't know if I'll ever be fully okay with that. I want to cause a specific reaction. Yep. Um, it bothers me when it doesn't work. <laughs> like, right. Very much bothers mm-hmm. me. So. Or when people don't get it, I don't know if you guys ever find this with, with choreography and dancing, but 
if I was trying to communicate something and people just, it goes over their head or they mm-hmm. just don't. Sometimes the worst reaction is no reaction, yeah, right? 100% indifference. They yeah. always say that like if people have questions or if people are talking about it, that's when you, that's when it's like successful. Exactly. Right. But like sometimes I'm like, I don't know if yeah. that's true because like yeah. I think if people are talking about it, are people talking about it because it was problematic to them? And like why did it, I think like people talking about it isn't always a positive thing. Like Not necessarily. I, I guess know. you're right. Yeah. I don't know. Just think about, like, works that we've gone to. And yeah, I yeah. talked about it after. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're talking about it. Cool. So it obviously caused a reaction. If that's all your point is to make people react. Mm-hmm. And you don't like, care how or in which way. Yeah, but I, that's yeah. the thing is, like, I'm thinking, like, is just having a reaction the reason we should be making art anymore? Just to have one re- a reaction that's that it so doesn't matter true. what we're trying to fit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or should we be asking people to, like, react we're like making the art to have people react in a way that's specific. Mm-hmm. And I think just a reaction doesn't mean anything. If, it right. means, if nothing means anything. You know? <laughs> I would even go further than what you just said. Cause I think you're, you made a really good point, but I would even take it one step further and say like, maybe we should only be creating it for ourselves. Yeah. Because what more can you really do? I mean, mm-hmm. right. you can't cause somebody to have a specific reaction. People might not like it or they might love it. Sometimes if they love it, that's worse because then you feel like you have to keep delivering that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? Because then the pressure's keep on. Like living up to that. That's or like it, you right. found the style that has made you successful. Mm-hmm. In exactly. Quotes, but and maybe, yeah. Maybe it's not like, maybe you do it a couple of times and then you don't feel, it's not fulfilling anymore. Mm-hmm. And you want to change and then you change mm-hmm. and you do totally. something different and everybody's like, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. They don't like that you've stepped out of what they thought you were going to do. Or... I mean, yeah. And I know it gets tricky when it comes to like protest art. And art that's mm. in like reaction to everything, yeah. which is like so hard to compare to because literally art, how it's built has been reaction to like horrible situations that have happened in the world. Totally. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, protest art versus like just making something and like what is protest art versus what is actually just creating something yeah. to create. Something. Well, and something can be good protest art, but not good art. Oh, if yeah. I may be so bold to go oh, there, of course. <laughs> like something can make a really good political point, but artistically it's like maybe not that interesting yeah. or different or, or provocative or yeah. like, is something good just because it has a political message? No. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I don't think, I mean, I agree with you, but there are people out there who, if you're not making a political point, you're like, your art is less important. Right. Uh, Do you know what I've been reading a lot? Cause I've been reading these journals for, um, um, from classes and people are using the word, um, actually provocative a lot. (laughs) And I like brought it up in class. I was like, what is like is that a word that we should just be like generalizing? <laughs> because like provocative is clearly going to be subjective to whoever mm-hmm. the individual is. Yep. So like I'd ask the students, I'd be like, so like what is provocative to you? And they'd be like, oh, like funny comedy. And I'm like, no, okay, what's I, provocative what's, to you? Right. Political. What's provocative? Like it's clearly yeah. people have different mindsets on like what words mean. Like, yeah, what it's certain, so true. So like when people are writing like grants and statements and stuff like that, I'm just like, do we even know? Like, don't just use this as an end of sentence period term. Yeah. You need to like expand on like how to make this bigger. And what do you mean by provocative? Like dig deeper into the words that you're using. Right. Do the research. Yeah. That's a very <laughs> good point. I don't even know how I would define provocative. I, I just use the term and I'm like, wait, how would I? Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm actually not sure. If you were to ask me to write a paragraph about it, I don't yeah. know what I would say. I'm also having a huge thing about words right now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> because mostly because I'm angry because nobody can tell me what communism means. <laughs> 
and <laughs> truly and honestly why I'm pissed and like about and like asking about do you actually know I hear people like so many people I've asked four people professors people around me assholes at bars what communism is means everybody gives nobody can give me a straight answer and Wikipedia. I'm, I'm literally I'm like I'm gonna Wikipedia. have to read like the manifesto of Karl Marx soon because I'm just pissed off at this point like three of those people will go into like weird political rants about like no, I just asked you what communism was. Yeah. Describe it to me. It's like, wow, these fucking assholes. I'm like, no. Is it the industrialization? And it's like every, like, what is it? And then how is it different from socialism? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ran over for the meantime. Totally but valid. Totally been, valid. I've like, thinking about words a lot. And like, no, it's important. People use words because we're ever like changing. Yeah. And these words are such a big part of poetry. Yeah. We're in like an ever changing society where like words mean something very big or words are trigger words or mm-hmm. words are like like um you know just like what's it not um hot when words are like really hot right now or like well trigger trigger is a very trendy trendy word right now yeah but um like i forget the term anyway but like you know like feminism or like patriarchy like these are all the patriarchy is big yeah Yeah, they all have like these big like connotations around them yeah everybody has this like big idea of what they mean yeah Mm -hmm. right like 40 years ago, did, like, the word feminism and patriarchy mean everything that it means now? No. And are people, like, using it almost as, like, a way of insulting to other people? Like, mm-hmm. we're using it now as, like, a defensive mechanism and as a way to, like, argue stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it is, you hit on something good there. Like, it, it is the way words are used, too. It's not just what the word means in a dictionary. Yeah. But right. how is the word being used mm-hmm. and being appropriated? And is it being used more in, like only in like negative areas or is it being used in positive areas as well right so how do you as a poet who and somebody who's a writer (laughs) deal with like the ever-changing you know um evolution of words so i gotta be honest with you i don't really think about that stuff no i try to when i'm writing a short story i try to use the correct word by correct i mean the best possible word that describes what i'm saying and in and in a short story i'm not generally using words that are sort of hot button words right now i don't write sort of political short stories or i would i would never use the word the patriarchy or feminism in a short story right. unless i was being <laughs> unless there was like you're being a douchey ironic. guy who, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah but generally i don't i'm sort of interested in in people and everyday situations and how we're sort of our own worst enemies so i don't really get into i don't really write political stuff so i don't really have that challenge which is i'm thankful for i just try to use a word that i try to be straightforward and direct like i don't want to use words that people have to open a dictionary or wikipedia because they don't know what the word means yeah like i'm not interested in confusing people yeah right but i want to use powerful words like i read once somewhere i forget where that the right words have a charge to them and i think that's true like an emotional charge like what's the best word to use to convey an emotion right so i mean words matter in my writing in the sense that i care what words i pick and the images matter and I can tell in reading something this image works better on a subconscious level mm-hmm. I'm just like that's a more powerful image but beyond that I don't worry too much about it that's just me I mean other people may feel differently I don't wor- worry too much about about if I'm am I using the correct yeah words um but who knows that could change right right you never know and I guess that's something you guys don't need to worry about so much in your there is this big work. thing right now in i mean in a lot of theater mm-hmm. where you were everyone's doing land 
acknowledgements. acknowledgements before theater work. You know what? That so, so I went to some. I went to a play last year. Oh God, I can't even remember now. I wish I could remember, but it was actually around here. Anyway, and they did that, and I was like, oh, I had never seen that done before. Is that that's common? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it's been common lately. Yeah, and for me. I understand where it's coming from and yeah. I understand the the um, like the emotions or the want to do it behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But you walk up or you you go to theater shows or you go to dance shows and it's just like the same thing over and over and over again That's and a lot of them I didn't know that. You know, it's like the also, person that made I the just theater feel like it's us like making up for our like white person guilt. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I, the, the play I went to that I'm thinking of was actually specifically about Uh, women, girls, and there was an indigenous aspect to it. So I just assumed it was related to that. No. Um, but I didn't realize it was happening sort of everywhere. Hmm, Yeah. That's interesting. And like when it works, when someone is up there and it's like, it's not just like the standard thing that everybody's saying Mm -hmm. and they've connected it to the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's like, feels like great. Or like, you're like, okay, cool. But when it's just like the person that made the work reading off a paper, seeing the names wrong, you're like... Does it, it feels kind of disingenuous? It's an, when it's an afterthought, or, I think. Mm, it okay. feels disingenuous, yeah. yeah. And it, I can feel people in the audience, like, roll their eyes. Interesting. Like, it fe- I can feel people go, like, okay, here we go. You know? well, I guess it goes back to that question. Is art supposed to be political? Is it supposed to make a political statement? I right. mean, for some people, it does. For some people, like, that, it, that is the main purpose of art. For me, you know, I don't really, I don't really think that way. I don't really think about it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But um, like, I think art's job is to tell the truth, mm-hmm. um, or a truth about what it is to be human. Like, that's what I always try to think about: Am I telling the truth? Am I being honest? Or am I, am I sort of hiding a little bit? Am I not really getting to the point I want to make? Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I don't know. I I haven't seen that done in writing. Certainly, right. but it's interesting. But I have seen this is like a bit of a different topic. Everyone's very. It's like you have these two extremes online now. It's like the people who are really cruel and bullying and toxic and mean, and then people who, if you express any type of opinion, then you're jumped all over. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like. I hate the term snowflake. I know that's the term that's overused, that's been overused, but, um, you know, it's really easy to take a comment that's made online and take it completely out of context mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and to take it away from the person who made it and make it into something else. And people are so confident behind their keyboards and their phones. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hate these. You're, you're either terrified of saying anything because you're afraid someone's going to take it the wrong way or so there's that type, I guess what I'm saying is there's that type of person. And then there's the person that's just like, I'm just going to spew hatred wherever I go. And I'm just going to be a bully. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I don't think it's good for art or writing or any type of, mm. of performing. And, you know, regardless of what type of art we're talking about. Right. Cause I think it's, it's censoring and it stifles expression. And I think that's a lot of the, what the platforms are doing right now. And it's not necessarily, or it is also specific people, but it's also like, Instagram doesn't want certain kind of content. YouTube mm-hmm. doesn't want certain kind of content. Yeah. So they will, you know, uh, shadow ban people and they will cancel accounts without telling you. And all of a sudden all That's of your scary. work is gone. That's scary. Because yeah. Yeah. freedom Just, of speech isn't actually freedom, freedom of, speech of speech anymore. Yeah. yeah. 
And so all of these platforms that you thought, because they're on the internet, because they're open, mm -hmm. you can say whatever you want, you can express yourself however you see fit, if you don't align with the company's goals or um, whatever. Yeah. It's like, mm, we're just gonna take all of, even if you have millions of followers or millions of subscribers, we're gonna demonetize you. Scary. You know? Which That's is people's livelihood. Scary. Well, it's also, again, it's context. Like, think about when you're having a conversation with one of your friends. Maybe you don't see eye to eye politically. Mm -hmm. You have a debate. Maybe you get emotions run high. You don't like that they feel this way. But they're your friend. You know them. You know the context. You know they're a good person. Yeah. It's just an opinion. There's sort of a safety net around that. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you're not sort of cutting your friend out of your life because you don't agree with what he or she thinks about some issue. But online... Everything's so rigid and it's so anonymous and you can't put someone's comment about something into a larger context. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know what their background is, what their history is. Um, you don't know what emotional issues they might be going through. And it's like, it just really scares me mm -hmm. what you see. Like people online, they can't, it just feels like you can't say anything. And I'm not even a, per this is the weird thing. I'm not even a person that gets involved in those discussions or makes any political commentary whatsoever. So I haven't personally been affected. It's just I've seen it play out mm -hmm. and um, it worries me. And yeah, and I worry about the chilling effect on art for sure, mm -hmm. especially writing, because I think I I've seen it the most in the writing community, though it's maybe just because of that's what I happen to follow. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure it happens elsewhere, too. Um, you know, someone will express that they didn't like a poem and, you know, give a critique on it. And, right. and everyone's like, you know, calling them a see you next Tuesday because they don't <laughs> like a poem. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what right. is happening? Um, we don't have to all like the same thing. That's it. We don't have to all agree on the same things to live next to each other. Well, and you don't have to be a dick. You don't have to say this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. You don't have to be that guy, <laughs> right? Like, come on, have a little soul. Right. right. But, but because you don't like something, I mean, my God, anyway. Right. Is that like a little bit of that fear run into why you're, you're going between like self-publishing and traditional publishing? Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. What I sent to you guys before. Yeah. It's so I have just started over the last, I would say seven months or so submitting work mm -hmm. to publishers. I wrote a lot before, but I never submitted anything because mm -hmm. I was too afraid of rejection, quite frankly. Like I was just too afraid of rejection, even though of course I'm going to get rejected. And that's literally comes with the job description. Like, right. <laughs> You know, all the big, Dean Koontz, Stephen King, if you want to talk about like bestsellers. JK Rowling. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, come on, we're not, like, don't kid yourself. You will get rejected. Um, and yeah, so I've started submitting my stuff. Um, I'm probably going to be submitting for a while <laughs> before anything gets accepted. And I have to come to terms. Like, yeah, I'm not happy about that, but I've had to accept that that's just yeah. the reality. Um, it's, it's, you know, as I said, it's part of the job description, but, um, certainly I think the proliferation of self-publishing is a great thing. I have some poet friends who self-publish. They love it. Um, it, there's some benefits to it. Like, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I haven't self-published yet, so I don't, I'm not an expert on it, but I understand you keep, I mean, the money's yours basically. Right. You don't have to pay a publisher or agent a percentage of royalties or any types of fees. You have control over the work. Mm -hmm. You know, nowadays, art, uh, writers have to self-promote and market anyway. So it's just, I mean, you're doing the same work anyway. Right. Um, 
and you have more freedom over what you do with the work. So in a publishing deal, I mean, you give your rights away basically for at least a period of time to the publisher and you don't have to do that when you're self-published. So there's great things about it. Um, It's kind of similar to what the the whole, I mean, not to be buzzy, but the whole like Taylor Swift thing that's kind of happened. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like the whole thing that she's going through right now. Yeah, for sure. With her work, that's it. Yeah. But I mean, traditional publishing, when you have the power of a publishing house behind you, that carries a lot of weight as well. Right. And there's relationships in the publishing publishing industry and agents come looking like, so Mm -hmm. I, you know what the reality is, there's benefits to both. I, I think that it's a, I think ultimately self-publishing is a great thing. I mean, now another person doesn't get to tell you, oh, your work's good enough or not good enough. Um, But maybe I'm a bit more, I'm a bit old school, but I think, you know, there is something about the prospect of somebody validating you. Right. And I hate to say it, but... um, and this it's is like probably betting on your work. Like they yeah. like, are willing to put their name with it and they're That's willing it. to like invest in it. That's it. And mm. the reality is you really can't depend on external factors to make you feel like your work is valid. Right. So I sort of, I struggle with that. You know, I, I'm definitely not opposed to self-publishing. It's so early for me. Like mm-hmm. I literally just started to put my work out there, you know, how long ago did so, you start like putting everything out there? Well, I started doing Instagram in 20 mid 2016. Mm-hmm. So only a few years. Um, and I haven't, I haven't actually, I didn't actually start submitting actual pieces of work to, um, contests and publications mm-hmm. or in my, the case of my poetry book, um, to an actual publisher, which I just sent off a couple months ago until earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So this is very new for me. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm open to anything at this point. I'm definitely, I'm definitely opening open to self-publishing, um, open to traditional publishing. I think there's pros and cons of each, but certainly I have to get past my own feeling of, I need somebody else to tell me that my work is good enough mm-hmm. when that's not really what it means. Like the work is so subjective that, right. um, I wonder if that ever goes away though, to be I honest. I don't know if it does. That's a good point. Something that I think about all the time. Yeah. Even when you get feedback about a work and they don't give you the feedback that you were wanting that's or it. the feedback yeah. that you were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's or like just a feed you're when someone comes in with a bias about work and they mm-hmm. give you feedback and it has nothing to do with what you're working mm-hmm. on and you're like cool so that's not actually helpful thank yeah. you great just because <laughs> you don't like it because it's like not in the vein that you like to work mm-hmm. isn't valid critique also like people come in and say those things at moments where you're not necessarily ready for those comments to be made totally oh, that's why for you sure. need to like ask like do you have a question or like would you like to hear an opinion about Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. No, not there yet. Okay, so here are my, here are <laughs> my general things that yeah. I saw. Yes. You know? Yes. And it can be very tricky not to personalize that constructive criticism. I actually fully believe in constructive criticism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're necessarily the best judges of our own work. I think um, other people have given me commentary that really hurt my feelings at the time, not because they were mean or harsh. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my God, but I worked so hard on that thing. And I picked up that, the piece I'm thinking of and I read it the other day. I'm like, this is shit. Like, I don't know why I even thought this was any good, but I was able to laugh about it. It was, it was a short story I wrote a few years ago and I was trying way too hard. Right. I was trying to sound literary. It wasn't really my voice. It wasn't. Yeah. And it's not personal. The people who read it weren't like, you suck. 
<laughs> they recognized because they weren't too, you know, killing your darlings. They weren't too close to it. <laughs> yeah. I felt very strongly about it at the time for whatever reason. And now I have no attachment to it at all. Mm-hmm. So I think you need a bit of distance from your work, mm-hmm. but I do think you have to listen to what other people have to say. Yeah. I think usually, you know, if one person's opinion seems like an extreme outlier, okay. Mm-hmm. But if three or four people have the same comment, honestly, my mm-hmm. view is if I want to get better, I better fucking listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Right. Totally. Um, because they, they are, I mean, they are, they are, who's going to buy your work. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's and if exactly they don't want to buy it, then we're not going to make money. We're not going to make a living. And mm-hmm. then like, why fucking do it? Just kidding. You, there's tons of reasons <laughs> why do it. But, <laughs> but that's what you feel, right? That's how you classify success sometimes. And that's how you, it's hard not to, to I mean, that's thing. it. Yeah. We, we live in a, society in a community that you need money to do things and you need money That's to it. live. So to be successful is to have money. So it's really hard not to put a financial value on your art. It is very hard. Or your and, success. And, and it feels like sometimes, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but sometimes it feels like what we're doing, like, and I'm going to say art and entertainment, even though there's a, I think there's a difference between like pure entertainment and like literary art. But anyways, mm-hmm. let's put them all in the same bucket. It's almost like people don't want to pay for that. They want their entertainment and their art to be free, Mm. but they'll spend five bucks a day at Starbucks for a latte. Right. Mm -hmm. And not that I'm, look, like I believe in freedom. If you want to spend your money on coffee, that's totally fine. It's just interesting how, like as a lawyer, I don't give my legal advice away for free. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, because I wasn't allowed because I was employed by a firm and that was not permitted, but, um, for some reason, people think that when you're an artist, you should give everything away or that you're not allowed to charge what you think you might be worth. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it a lot among different artis- artistic friends that I have, and I think we all struggle with it. Yeah. And how do you value a book or a piece of performance art or a dance routine? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like something so. that has to do with the community that you're in. You yeah. have to like there's actors, there's unions for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And there's that kind of thing because they work. And when there's not that for other people, then the standards are low and then no one's beating them. Yeah. What were we talking about um, before? I don't know, but I kind of wanted to switch gears because we were talking oh, about birth control. yes, for yeah. sure. You're a mother. Yes, I am Are you comfortable mother. talking about mom and... Oh, of course. Mom, being, mom yeah, life yeah. and being an artist? Mom life. Mm-hmm. Mom life. So how old is your son? So he is six. Mm. He's like super intense and awesome. He's really like all the most intense parts of me and my husband and one person. um, It was becoming a mom was incredibly tough. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a person who like dreamed of being a mom. And like, this is weird because my kid might listen to this one day, but, but it, and and I was happy and I was thrilled to, to be having him. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really changed my whole life. And ultimately it changed it for the better mm-hmm. because he like that whole process kickstarted a whole self realization for me. Like, what am I actually doing with my life? What do I really want to do? Who am I world? At this point you were still a lawyer when you got pregnant. With yeah. Him. yeah. So, so I, I had a difficult pregnancy work was awful. Like, I'm not sure if I told you guys this already, but I just had a lot of, when I was um, pregnant with him, I got very, very sick and I was working on a deal with, um, a very challenging partner at the firm that I worked with. And I, I 
closed a deal, which basically means like completed a a very complicated transaction, um, literally from my bathroom. I was incredibly sick. I was sick with a very, an illness that that Christmas was especially bad. It was like, it was killing people. It was the norovirus, a form of the norovirus. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is really bad. Like, how can this partner not have found someone else to help? Like, this is not right. And you have told them you're sick. He knew I was sick. It was very early on when my pregnancy, so I couldn't, I didn't tell him that part, Um, but he knew I was very ill and he was like, I'm not getting anyone else. So just figure it out. He was up North skiing and what a dick, but at the time, (laughs) but you're so indoctrinated, right? You're like, this is part of my job. This is what I'm getting paid to do. This is the expectation. There is nobody else. I'm at the bottom of the ladder. Um, That's it. One day I'll be the person skiing. That's it. And be able to. Yeah, which I would never do for the record. But but there literally were 10 other people that could have helped. Like, it's just at the time, like, I was just kind of the way, again, I was indoctrinated. And we all were. Everyone was like that. Well, I shouldn't say everyone, but most people were. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just figured, oh, it's just a bad period. And indeed, it passed. And then, you know, uh, I went off on maternity leave. I had a very tough time on maternity leave. I, And I've heard that this happens a lot to women who already have established careers, Mm -hmm. there's a theory that like the more quote unquote control you have over your professional life, the more thrown off you are. It's almost like having kids younger might be a good thing because you haven't (laughs) settled into like, right. You're in control all the time. You're like super type a, you know, you've got everything figured out. And then you're like, Oh wait, I don't know anything. I literally (laughs) am dying. (laughs) You're so tired. Your professional identity completely disappears. Um, uh, I went back to work and I didn't really realize it at the time, but I was very depressed. Um, had serious anxiety issues. I had really bad insomnia. I would sleep for like two hours a night. I would just lay there. Like, I can't even explain how awful it was. Waiting for like the baby to cry or waiting? Initially, yes. And then it was just, he was already sleeping through the night and I still just couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. I was constantly getting sick, like infections. I got an eye ulcer. Yes, that's oh, a real thing. An yeah. eye ulcer. An eye right ulcer. Not. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, what do you what do you mean I have an ulcer in my eye? Anyway, um, and I went back to work and it was really difficult. I mean, I'm sort of saying what I'm sure a lot of women have said before, but you know, I'd gone from being this person who built a lot of hours, went to client events, had an identity at the firm, and all of a sudden I was leaving at five. And I was the only person leaving, like nobody left at five. Oh no, 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 no. Right. Right. Nobody left at five. Um, and it was, it was not good. Like people, I would, so I would go home, I would pick up my son, go home, put him to bed, log back on and work till midnight, one in the morning Mm -hmm. and, and then not sleep. So it was bad. I, I was really in a terrible place and, um, there's a lot of pressure put on you. Well, be the one that the women can look up to, like mm-hmm. keep going for partnership. You can do it. Um, you just have to gun it for a few, few years, like just make it happen. It seems but, like extremely detrimental to y- yourself as a person. Yeah, it was really, I, I was very unhealthy in, in all aspects. Like I lived on coffee, pizza, bacon sandwiches for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like think of all the unhealthiest choices you Things can make. You can like grab and that's yeah. right out the door. Eat at your desk. You know, I wasn't yeah. exercising. I didn't have time to, so- to see my friends or family re- barely. Um, 
having a young kid is stressful regardless mm-hmm. and adds a whole other level of um, stress to your life. But also it was kind of, I, I think it was more of an identity crisis because I think you go from being this person who has a certain kind of life and is seen a certain way and all of a sudden people forget everything you did before and they're just like, she's leaving early. It's five, she's leaving. Oh. So, not everybody, not everyone. I had some people who were totally supportive, but there were a few. And, and one in particular was a female partner, the only female partner in our group at the time. Oh, sorry, one of two female partners in the group. And she was super judgy of me, did not approve. Did she, have kids? she has one kid. And she had it early? Do you know? If Late. She Oh, so I don't want to give away too many because yeah. I don't, not that she would, I, anyway. Yeah. Yes. I, and later she, after I left, she actually said to me like, oh, you know, you have to do what's right for you. And she was sort of then became supportive, which was weird. But, um, yeah, there was a definite, I stopped being invited to things, you know, but, but again, I want to be clear. That's not what, that's not ultimately why I left. I think, I think ultimately I just started thinking to myself, like, why am I so unhappy Mm-hmm. and really unpacking that and then um, realizing a lot of things about the decisions I'd made and why I had made those decisions. Like, why had I become a lawyer mm. when all I ever really wanted to do is be a writer? Mm. Okay, well, let's examine this. Why right. did I do it? Well, I grew up in a house where um, my mom had a really tough time. You know, she she um, she's a freelance writer, an artist, and struggled with her own sort of creative challenges. And I think probably subconsciously, I didn't want that. Right. right. And out of fear, I was like, yeah, I was like, need to do something secure, Mm -hmm. stable, you know? And then I'm sure you saw like financial difficulties growing up in that, right? Oh, for sure. And you're like, I don't want that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be better than that. And you're going to like step up. Exactly. Yeah. That's totally, that's a great way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom went through a lot of shit. Like freelance writers are taken advantage of. I mean, I'm sure they still are. Mm -hmm. Like I I think the freelance, my mom used to make a dollar a word at one point. Then it became, I think like 15 cents a word at one point. Like it was terrible and people would just not pay her. They would just wait six, eight months, just not pay her. Mm. So it was seeing that and the stress it took on her over the years. Um, and she's been very open. We've talked about it openly Mm -hmm. in the later years, but as a kid, you can't help. Every family has its own sort of internal right. issues, but you can't help but pick up on that. And oh, yeah. so you just, for me, I was like, I don't want that. That's not going to happen to me. Um, I'm going to get a really stable, secure job. And law school was like, okay, yeah, law school. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. I like law and order. <laughs> yeah. Legally Blonde, great movie. No, I mean, I'm being facetious, <laughs> but, but that was why. And I was like, oh, man. I don't think I want to live like this anymore. And so I'm sort of, sim- I'm, ve- I'm very much simplifying what happened, but over a long period of time and a lot of different difficulties, um, you know, my mom got diagnosed with colon cancer. My sister-in-law who's younger than I am was diagnosed with breast cancer, oh. my own health issues, which were not serious. Everything kind of was falling apart, like yeah. everything. And I was like, okay, radical change needs to happen. So I actually switched. Um, I left a lot, the law firm went to a company. So I was their in-house legal team. Yeah. So helping that specific company with its right. contracts, that was way better. Um, in terms of right. you're not surrounded by people that do the same job as you. Is that why? Um, well, we, so we, we had a group of us that were the lawyers, but it was more, Ooh, my mic fell. Um, it was more that, the hours were better. Right. And everyone had, it was more that people, the work-life balance was way better. Right. And that's when I was able to spend a bit more time writing and thinking about, you know, 
what I really wanted to do. But over time, I just became, I just came to realize that really even that, I mean, I don't know how often you guys spend on your dancing and your choreography, but, or in your art generally, but you can't write for an hour a week or mm-hmm. at nine o'clock at night. I mean, you can, you can. And if that's all you can do, you should, mm-hmm. but it's more, I just, I don't know, man. It I depends just, on the life that you want. Yeah. yeah. Right. If you want to make it that big of a part of your life, then you have to also dedicate the time to it. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. I just really, for me, and again, I, I would never, I, I want to be careful. I don't, I'm not suggesting, and I don't mean to ever suggest that that's the only way is a complete lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. For me, it happened to be something that worked out at least for now. I mean, we'll see, obviously that could change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about it over a long period of time and worked out how, what it would look like. And, um, yeah, it's something that just became, it was staring me right in the face for me. It's what had to happen. I think, I think when you're a lawyer and I, Uh, there's other professions like this. It's such a demanding job. It's very hard to do that. And anything else? Yeah. Yeah. For me, maybe other people can do it. I just, maybe I just don't have the capabilities to do it, but, um, it's super demanding Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, um, in all ways. (laughs) So, so I just couldn't manage it and be like a happy, healthy person. Did you so. find that during your mat leave, did you take mm-hmm. mat leave? Yeah. That you were writing more? Was it kind of I like did, a taste yeah. of like what it would, what your day-to-day life could That's a have really been? good question. Uh, later, in the later months, yes. After the toughest part of it was right. over and I started doing some journaling and being like, man, I'm so miserable. Like what is wrong with me? I started working on a novel that I'd started years before, but not finished mm-hmm. and picked it back up. And that's, that ended up being a project that I worked on through the Humber School for Writers. I did a mm. distance mentorship program th- with them when I was practicing law <laughs> after I went back at mat leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would come in early, write for an hour at my desk, and then start my day job. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I began to realize, a, a thought kind of came into my mind, like, you actually can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think for years I've been telling myself, well, I can't do it, or I'll do it later. And then gradually... I realized that I could actually, I could actually make different choices. Mm -hmm. Like I'm right. I'm not choiceless. Mm -hmm. And then I started eventually to kind of figure out what that would look like for me. And again, everyone's path is different, but, um, yeah, (laughs) right. Hopefully that answers your question. No, it does. I was just wondering. Um, wow. But yeah, I like literally have not regretted it for one sec. I mean, again, it's only been a year, so (laughs) I could change my mind. Um, do you find it giving you more freedom with as a mother as well? For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's because I set my own schedule. I can spend more time with my kid and our lives are just not as hectic. I mean, you can imagine, right? The mad rush in the morning, road rage as you're driving to work or commuting, whatever your commute looks like road rages, you're coming home, anxiety, trying to make it in time for the daycare pickup, Mm -hmm. your kids starving, tired, cranky. Mm -hmm. Then you're in your work clothes, cooking a meal, cleaning up, doing bedtime. It's nine o'clock. You're like, Oh my God, I'm exhausted. It's just, and it's the grind. And now I have to do whatever. Now I have to write. Now I have to write. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And really, I just want to go to bed Yeah, Mm -hmm. or I have to respond to emails Mm -hmm. because this guy sent me 10 follow-ups because I took an hour to respond to him. Like, 
Jesus Christ. Buddy, chill the fuck out. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, so but but again, like I'm not describing anything that millions of other women don't go through. I mean, this right. is the reality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's nothing special about my specific challenges. I mean, they're very common. But it doesn't um, also not give you warranty to like talk about, talk about it. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I think that like <laughs> we all have our own experiences and yeah, it might not be you know, totally. I don't think any of us are dying of hunger. No, if you're listening to this podcast, I don't think we're dying of <laughs> hunger or you know, a part of what's happening in China right now. Yeah, but totally. I think that we're still warranted about to feel anxiety and feel emotions. Like we're all just potatoes with complicated feelings. Potatoes, yeah. love it. <laughs> love potatoes. Right? <laughs> I do have to say, I think there's something, and I don't know how you ladies yeah. feel about this or if this is even part of your experience, but. Um, I do think there's something particularly toxic about going through a day and especially a profession that you pour a lot of energy into when you actually feel like all you want to be doing is something else. Oh yeah. Like I think it's a nagging, horrible. It's like, I always used to describe it as someone following me around all day, tapping me on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't what you really want. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you really doing this, Emma? Like this isn't what you want. Hello. Are you going to fucking listen to me Mm -hmm. like that? It's just not a healthy way. And it like reflects in that job. Like, Oh yeah. when I'm like doing a freaking Joe job, I'm like this. <laughs> my like response to everything is like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> They're like, ain't nobody got time for that. And they'll be like, no, I that is that, that is so the much. time that you're being paid for to do your yeah. job. <laughs> so could you please just go grab that that guy another drink? And yeah. I'd be like, I don't have fucking time for this. <laughs> I got thesis to write. I ain't got time for this. It's that's like all its own challenges. Yeah. When you're kind of the assistant or the person that's supposed to just run around and do other people's bidding. Like every job has got its challenges. Right. Don't get me wrong. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. I think in in the legal world, and again, I can only speak for, to what I what I personally saw. Um, you're working with really smart people, which is great. Like the work is intellectually challenging. Is everybody really smart though? Most people that I work okay. with, not every, <laughs> you're so funny, but what? is everyone smart? Not no, everyone. Not, obviously everybody is like academically has been approved and gone into an institution yes. and then written the bar and passed the bar and then gotten past this. But we also like, we all know the character that I'm thinking <laughs> of that works on wall street is a douchey dude and is getting drunk every night doing cocaine. So, so that- I, ha- I have to say, yeah. tr- and truly not just because people I used to work with might listen to this. Yeah. I actually worked with really great people. Like I have no, with the exception of that one partner who, and there's more stories, which that's conversation for another (laughs) day. 95% of the people I worked with were truly awesome. I'm still in touch with them. Mm -hmm. Some of my best friends are from my old job. Some of, some of my mentors. And I've actually, one of the projects that I'm working on involves a legal context. So Mm -hmm. they've been sources of information for me too, in fields that I don't practice. So I was lucky, but it's more how do I explain this? Um, it's more the energy that it takes to complete a project. You know, every comma matters. Every single detail matters. Like you can get sued over one misplaced comma. It's literally happened. Mm -hmm. Right. You're so paranoid all the time and you're so anxious and fearful of making a mistake and the stakes feel very high. Mm -hmm. They're not life and death. But they feel very Sometimes high at the they time. Are. Sometimes, Sometimes. Yeah. for some lawyers, they are. Yeah. For some lawyers, not for me, because yeah. I was in corporate. But yeah. um, 
it's incredibly, it can be incredibly debilitating. You're just constantly afraid yeah. that you're going to make a mistake and that you're going to get fired and that yeah. all hell is going to break loose. And it kind of bleeds into the rest of your life. You become a more fearful, anxious person. Gener- I did. I can't speak for all lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it just made me into like a worse version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, I totally rambled on there. I don't no, even remember right. what your question was, right. but right. anyway, yeah, um, I was, it was, are they though? But so, I mean, as a, and it's interesting as a creative person now or a creative professional, the problems are totally different. It's like a whole new set of problems. Mm-hmm. And I know, I mean, I've obviously listened to a number of the, the podcasts you guys have done and, and I think a lot of it's common. I mean, we're all kind of feeling people's stories are different, but we're all kind of feeling the same way. Yeah. Sometimes I get like this weird thing where about like artistry and like talking about the problems and I'm like, is it all just self-involved though? Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. like, yeah, it is. <laughs> other people's problems in other situations are also that way. Exactly. Yeah, just true. like it's they true. have a different job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We all run in little. Yeah. But I think like we're all the own centers of our own universe. Yeah. <laughs> so but I think true. because like we talked about before, but like the thing that you create obviously has some relevance to who you are as a person and you've had some experience that you're speaking from. Yeah. So it just, everything kind of feels really self-involved <laughs> sometimes. It's very personal. Like I don't take it personally. If someone had comments on a contract I drafted, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, Oh my God, they didn't like my contract. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd feel me. I'd maybe feel stupid if I'd missed something obvious or I'd be like, Oh shit. I really need to brush up on that drafting skill. But like, yeah. it wasn't personal. But this now, yeah. Look, when I send a story off to somebody I know to, to proofread for me or for their comments, I'm like, oh my right. God, send. And yeah. I'm like checking my email. I'm like, oh my God, they hated it. They think it's the worst. Like, it's a totally different yeah. feeling. And yeah. it is personal. Because it's like, a, it's part of you. Yeah. Right? It feels part of you in a way. And I'm sure you guys feel this way about mm-hmm. your performances. I mean, you're out there literally expressing your body on stage, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. that's pretty personal. People are watching you. Like, there's nothing quite so yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think I, I mean, like, I, as it, like, as an artist also just get like very bored of like, just like thinking about me, like, which is like something I like am doing on the regular because we're, you're you writing know, your thesis. I'm writing thesis and we're complicated potatoes and like, you know, whatever it is. But like, sometimes I'm just like, I am my most real. I relax in weird ways and I relax in weird ways because I relax in ways that have nothing to do with me. Interesting. Right. So like I Can relax in ways that are like, like having drinks with friends because I'm uh, hearing yes. about them yes. or I relax in ways that are just like having like a really fun night out with my girlfriends. Yeah. Um, I don't relax in ways where it's like going to yoga every day. Like yeah. that's like not for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's like too much self-reflection. And to be complete, we like spin. I like spin, but I don't have to pay attention. I don't like in spin class. They're not like, think about like just really reflect on your <laughs> no they're just like harder and like that's like how i was born and you raised like, being screamed at by people so, it terrifies me really. oh god but no. i think like self um reflection is like a really dangerous road mm-hmm. and people that self-reflect a lot are seem very balanced and very happy and i really think that they are really strong people because if i self-reflect too much I like go down a rabbit hole, but I think most people do. And you're actually making a really good point. I think there's a limit to self-reflection. Yeah. You do not want to go down that rabbit hole where like 
everything is quote a childhood issue <sighs> it's really easy you know what i mean seriously yeah. and i've done it like i'm speaking from experience there's only so many times you can journal about like that thing that happened when you were 10 and like maybe right. that's why i have like intimacy issues <laughs> i'm making that up i don't yeah. i don't think i have intimacy issues like <laughs> but you know what i mean it's yeah. like i and i did a lot of that tons of and I I thought I was like making all this progress and then I read back in my journal and I was appalled that I went over the same shit Mm -hmm. the same trauma with no and half of it wasn't it wasn't even necessarily trauma it was like just analyzing myself over analyzing it was and it was ridiculous like yeah and but who knows maybe that brought me to where I am now you never Mm -hmm. know but I I agree with I actually think it's better to do as you do and not engage with that too much right like a little bit is okay but right yeah i like try and give myself like time to like i'm only gonna think about it on the train or like I, that's a really good idea and i i have mentioned oh, you this only think about yourself when you're commuting no oh no no <laughs> i think about like think like, like think deeply rule. about things about like i'm gonna put on a song and think really deeply about the situation <laughs> on the train because this seems like an appropriate place to cry as an adult it's very, po- it's very poetic <laughs> it's like a romanticism about yeah, it thank you thank you guys um but oh, i also like great. i know that i talk a lot about like uh in terms of like even like relationships, like mm-hmm. I think like over being over analytical, like we were speaking about and being self-reflective, it sometimes it has its limits before you're just like beating something to death and like you're just like making problems for yourself. I completely yes. agree. You know? like, completely. Me and my partner Lucas, like he is not a communicate, communi- not a good communicator. Mm-hmm. I'm an extra communicator, and I'm extremely over analytical, and he, nothing bothers him. Same. So like, we're, it's, I'm the same. With it my just husband. like same. doesn't. I can't think like if Lucas gives me like a oh yeah whatever. It's not actually that he's like, oh yeah, whatever about us, which I will have gone down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's oh whatever, the cat can be fed in an hour. You know, totally. it doesn't have to be such like a big like. What is our relationship? Are you oh whatever about everything? Is this what you're gonna be like when we have children? What about when we're eighty? Like, it's not, girl. Pull it together. <laughs> Right, I that's hilarious. It's so I'm so happy to hear you say that because now I feel better. Yeah, right. <laughs> About my own issues. But sometimes you just like sit by yourself and you're just like everything is wrong in my relationship. Mm-hmm. Everything is wrong in my life. I do not have relationships with people that I should. And like, <laughs> shut up. If you're fucking happy, you're happy, and just don't. It's true. Don't it's true. Our minds. It's like mo- that. What's that Buddhist term? Monkey mind or whatever yes. it is. It's really hard to like live in the happiness sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. I also sometimes think. That has to do with being comfortable. Mm. So you like create mm. your own problems to like have your own problems to solve. Interesting. <laughs> I like that. Well, no, How it's like you if we're so for? comfortable, like yeah. we're not starving. Mm-hmm. I I have a roof over my head. I have a job. I have something that I love to do. Yeah. Right. And so like I create problems to like keep me interested. There's <laughs> right. definitely truth to like what you focus on magnifies, right? Yes. Not that you want to ignore it. This is like that weird, tricky, fine line to walk. You want to acknowledge how you're feeling about something because mm-hmm. if you bury it or ignore it, that's not helpful. Right. But then you don't want to overanalyze it. So it's that weird little narrow. Okay. Right. You want to analyze it and acknowledge it just enough. This then you don't want to overly identify with it. This is what therapy is for. <laughs> yes. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Agree. <laughs> yeah. Not I going think down therapy the is hole. a good thing. On your how own. How do you, is your partner also a lawyer or no he's an accountant oh okay so <laughs> same a very sexy combo <laughs> yeah yeah no he's actually he's great because he's not creative at all i mean he's a creative problem solver in his job mm-hmm. and he's very good at what he does but he doesn't really read fiction doesn't read poetry he's not into like dancing or i mean he loves music but 
My point is we're totally different in that regard, but he actually brings, and I used to think that would be a problem. I'm like, well, what if he doesn't understand me? Whatever that means. And like, he, you know what I'm I preaching to the choir here? You're like, yeah, I know, I know why you said that. <laughs> um, he's actually been great, but not for the reasons you would think. Mm. He, because he's a lot more laid back right. and doesn't overanalyze and is really a doer, not an overthinker, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's really good for me. So he'll kind of, if I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I haven't, I have no, what's my personal brand? Who's my audience? You guys can't see it. The audience can't see it, but I'm like pointing my finger in one direction. <laughs> like if I'm veering off track, <laughs> he'll be like, I don't know why you're worried about that. Just get back to work on your book. And I'm like, okay, yes, that's what I needed yeah, to hear. Thank level you. Yeah. He's like, you were forbidden from going on the internet for 10 days. I'm like, what are you, how dare you? And I'm like, okay, I know what he means. He doesn't literally mean don't go on the internet, but he's like, why are you Googling mm-hmm. how to build a personal brand? He's like, write your book. Mm-hmm. And because of him, I finished my draft this year, but it's only because he pulled me right back onto my path. Yeah. Cause sometimes quite frankly, and this might not be a popular opinion, you don't always know what's best for yourself. You get into your little habits and your habits might not serve you. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you need someone to kind of, you know, remind you, Yeah. okay, an audience is important, but like first you need to finish your book. Mm-hmm. I remember one particularly heated conversation. He was like, are you spending more than 30 minutes a week over analyzing your social media presence. And I was like, mm, yeah, that would be a hard yes. I'm spending way more than 30 minutes. Am I minutes. spending over 30? <laughs> 30 hours? Yeah. Yes. This is at one point earlier in the year when I was kind of floundering. And he's like, you're already wasting your time. He's like, if you were spending more than 30 minutes worrying about this, think about how much time that takes away from your book that you're trying to write. Mm-hmm. And I needed that, you know? Yeah. And, and that wouldn't work for some people, but for me, it worked. So yeah. he might not know anything about what it's like to write a book or a poem mm-hmm. or even really be into reading, but he makes really good points that actually end up helping me. So I think partners are a really good, a good person. Sorry. Partners are good persons. <laughs> um, I think that partners are really helpful because they know when to real talk you and they That's know when to you bring need. you up and yeah. they know when to level you. And right? you absolutely need somebody. Like I used to think I wanted somebody who, just told me what I wanted to hear all the time. I mean, come on, who doesn't want that, right? Am I right? But that's the worst possible thing for you. You actually don't grow. And I think the best partner is someone who helps you. Yeah. Who gives you some tough love when you need it and helps you become a better version of yourself. Right. Right. Not someone who like blows smoke up your ass for lack of a better (laughs) term. I mean, like I, really am thankful. I mean, sometimes I think about what it would be like to be with like another artist Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you can't even deal with yourself. I don't think that would be a good thing (laughs) as a person, as an artist. So like, how do you deal with like another person's whole set of emotions that are this, you know, I could not. Yeah. I, I, cause I, it's funny you say that. And I, I, cause I have thought about that. Like, um, Oh me, like, Brian would understand me so much more if he just like did some creative projects and stuff. I was trying to convince him. No, I swear to God. Get a creative hobby. I honestly was. I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but I was like, I was like, I'm going to encourage him to start reading and like maybe take up like a, a hobby that that's not, you know, cause he runs and he listens, he's really into music, like listening to music. And then I realized like that was ridiculous because when I actually pictured dealing with another person who's going through a creative issues, I'm like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. it sounds kind of romantic, like 
two tortured artists together. Yeah. yeah, but I think the practicalities of it are like not very pretty. It's so <laughs> idealistic. It, like in your like in your thought process, it's like every porno that has started. It's like <laughs> you're just like drinking whiskey. I don't whiskey. know what kind of pornos you are watching. <laughs> you're like drinking whiskey at a bar, and you're just like ah, postmodernism or like whatever Communism. it is, and then like <laughs> pornos, whatever it is. You're like you know, and then you're like, man, we would be super good at hooking up and having sex, yeah. and then you're just like, wait, that would that's like one sexual no, they're relationship. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're also way too insecure for it to be good yeah totally <laughs> totally and also, then you have to go bad. to all their shit and like you know uh, yeah I'm deal with their creative meltdowns <laughs> i do although i do have a very good friend of mine she's in film and her husband is a musician and they have a fantastic relationship because they both i think approach it very practically like they're working artists mm-hmm. they make it work somehow and they they figured it out i mean some people love it like yeah. like corinne i mean that's it's very different because corinne is also dating and yeah artist, so but my partner right. andre is in tv and film all right but he's an editor so okay. he's like <laughs> i mean she's the opposite that of that was your rack you're like oh gotta i mean be an editor above yeah. <laughs> it's very funny because i met him at a party and he told me he was an editor and i was like look at this short i'm working on and she was like the crazy artist at the party who's trying to show you all that's awesome <laughs> yeah it's all with me i think but i think like obviously it would be i'm not saying that you can't be with another artist i just i wouldn't date another dancer well this is the thing yeah i wouldn't date if it's another too writer. Co- if it's too close to me we're all we're going to do is bitch and complain the whole time. And like, we're going to be competing for the same work, you know? Well, that's it. Imagine. <laughs> and I, I hate to say it, but imagine you're in competition for something or imagine his career or her career is like taking off and you're like doing the freelance work for 20 bucks a pop and everyone's, you know, piling the praise on him. I mean, that would be really tough. Yeah. So yeah. I don't Ted well especially in like the heteronormative kind of male female thing where yes the man's work is usually taken more seriously i'm just saying patriarchy mm-hmm. <laughs> patriarchy buzzword that's what buzzword. i was looking for that's the buzzword of the day oh, yeah. no but i mean i i wouldn't be okay with that just me personally not saying yeah. that other people can't deal with it but i i mean i commend yeah the women and like who can like deal with that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're clearly very strong and very secure yeah i would not be not me no. not be able <laughs> no, to definitely not secure enough for that yeah even though i'm dating someone in a creative field not very secure <laughs> but, but I, he I, is very secure so <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it is important though like just going back to your point about having a partner that gives you the tough love at the end of the day mm-hmm. as so i as a writer artist i think that would be like a prereq in a relationship mm-hmm. in terms of you know best mental health outcome ideally if you're in a relationship your partner is supportive but knows how to give you the constructive criticism mm-hmm. when it's warranted yeah and they ask you if you want it. Well, also that. Are <laughs> yeah. you ready for what I'm about to say? Right. Yeah. Not just yell at you. I have an you. opinion on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you calling, are you able to call yourself an artist yet, do you think? Oh, interesting question. Um, oh, man, that is a loaded question. Are we good for time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I have a bit of discomfort with that, actually. I want, I would like to say that I don't, but even now it's when I first started telling people that what I had done and what I was doing, I w- I think I'm still not quite there. I still have a bit of trepidation. Mm-hmm. Um, cause there are some people who will be like, Oh, so when's your book coming out? I'm like, well, I, I don't know yet, mm-hmm. you know, and then you feel shitty or, 
oh, so like, have I heard of you? Where's your, well, probably not. Or, um, what else? People who, you know, it's funny. I've gotten a few reactions where people are like, oh, children's books. I'm like, no, why would hmm. you think that? Not that there's, a, I mean, I love children's books. My kid but and I read every day. Because you're, you're, you're a mother and because you're a Probably. woman? Probably. Yeah. Or, oh, mommy blogging? Are you starting a mom blog? Um, no, that would be a hard no. Oh. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but like, why would you think, again, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's right, like. Right, right. So, and you never know, like some people do react sort of with incredulity. Like, why would you do that? Right. Why, oh, why are you doing, or they think it's like a little fun hobby or something. Right. I'm like, but, no, like I actually plan on treating this like a job. And, especially going from something which people feel is like a real career. Exactly. Yeah. Right. They're like, exactly. Hmm, I don't know. But I, I get a lot of good reactions too, where people are like, that is so fucking cool, man. That's yeah. awesome. So that helps. But I, I think it'll take time to really feel like I can introduce myself. Oh, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Even until recently, I would, if people, you know, you go to the doctor or like an appointment and they say, oh, what's your profession? Oh, even yeah. at the spa, yeah. they're like, you I know. I don't even know what to write on that question sometimes. I'm yeah, like dancer, artist. Yeah. I know. This Human is cat thing. wrangler. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I potato tell. with emotions. <laughs> Complicated potato. Complicated potato. <laughs> I would say lawyer slash writer. Hmm. Technically, I'm still a lawyer in that I can, I still have a license to practice law. Right. But it's, yeah, it's weird. I mean, how do you guys feel about introducing yourselves as an artist or describing yourself as an artist? Um, I call myself a dancer, but Mm -hmm. I think that's only because I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And like where my creative interests lie now is in like dance film and other mediums in that way. Yeah. But to walk up and call myself a producer or a director feels weird because I haven't done it, but I can call myself a dancer. And then when I make a film, give myself the title of the, you know what I mean? Right. But if you looked at my CV, you would see that my education is in dance and my, all of my experiences in dance and performing and creation and that kind of thing. So for me, it's like dancer, but I've also had to struggle with that because I don't feel like a dancer most of the time anymore. You know, how many years have you been dancing? Since I was six. Oh, wow. So, like, so, yeah. 21 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh, my God, you guys are so young. <laughs> I remember being young. Anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, I'm only, I'm assuming you're around the same yeah. age. Yeah. 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 Um, Damn it, girls, enjoy your 20s. <laughs> and they'll be over. Anyway, uh, moving on from that. Yeah. Um, how do you, I mean, you said you get a bit weird about how to introduce yourself, too. Uh, I get weird yourself. about like when it asks for professions on like paper because mm. I get weird most recently about like, why do you need that information? Yeah. Um, to just like talk to me about my health or talk to me about something. It is kind of weird. Yeah. I don't know why they ask. Yeah. Um, but like I, yeah, sometimes I put artist, sometimes I put dancer, sometimes I, uh, sometimes if I'm. I mean, it depends. If I'm trying to get money out of something, I put student. <laughs> Fair <laughs> point. I cannot do that student. anymore. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think um, there's probably always going to be a certain amount of weirdness. In, in, yeah, I think a lot of people in the artistic world feel, you know, you kind of have imposter syndrome. You feel mm-hmm. like, well, it's not just the artistic world. There was a lot. Actually, when I was a lawyer, a lot of women would talk about that feeling like they hadn't really made it yet, feeling like they couldn't be proud of their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think it's probably worse in the artistic world just because of all the reasons we've talked about and right. the sort of inherent insecurity in the profession, right. the related professions. But I think fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I also think it's weird because you're scared. I think part of the reason you get scared putting your 
name down. Some people are going to ask you, like, so do I know it? And you don't want to be like, no, because I'm not clearly successful in your realm or your world. That's it. It's so awkward. Even, like, John Krasansky tells a story about, like, how he was, like, going to visit Emily Blunt when she was doing um, Mary Poppins in the UK. (laughs) And they asked him, they're like, oh, why are you going here? He's like, I'm visiting my wife. It says you're an actor. Anything that I would have known... And he was like, yeah, The Office, The American Office. <laughs> and then he was like, Who, who's your wife? She also an actress? And then it was like Emily Blunt. And they were like, what? <laughs> like, they were just like, so obviously, even if, like, professional actors are having these issues where they have to, like, explain themselves to fucking mm-hmm. Border Patrol, yeah. then, like, why, why do I have to explain myself to someone to get over mm-hmm. the border? Other than the fact that I have a valid passport, I have a two-way ticket. Like, why are you asking me these fucking... <laughs> why are you asking me Brittany hates them, obviously. It just Um, makes me mad. Yeah. Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Why? Why? What's that from? Why are you so obsessed with me? Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) I did do a Mariah Carey spin class yesterday. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I do. I have some some trepidations doing it. Also, because I think that I am starting to like. And obviously not veer, but I think that I there are parts of my life that are starting to like be more academic and yeah. more um, panel and speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I'm just not sure which one. And I, I really, I really, it's environmentally speaking. I feel like what I tell people I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And what, I think that makes sense. I mean, yeah. certain. How do you sell yourself? Is basically the question. That's right? it. And it depends on the context. How do you reap the benefits and how do you play the system? Yeah. But I do think artists are kind of held to this different standard. Yeah. Like when I cross the border and people and I've been asked what I do, I'm like, I'm a lawyer. This is where I work. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's no more questions. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's good. Mm-hmm. I wish you just had food in my mouth. That's because everybody knows what a lawyer is. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what a lawyer is. They, 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 they understand. They right? There's a path. You yeah. go to law school. You write the bar. You do your articling position. Mm-hmm. You get hired at a firm or start your own. It's mm-hmm. like, yep, okay. You know, there's a path. But when you're a dancer or artist or writer, it's like there's this whole other, I don't know, series of questions or suspicions or I don't know. I don't know what it is. Mm. But I think you're right. I think it has something to do with understanding, understanding and there's so many paths and so many different options that there isn't, people don't always really understand what it means to be a dancer yeah, or a writer or what have you. So, um, I, I remember I was, when I left my job, I had, um, the company did a little RRSP matching program. So I had a little, I had the little RRSP account and I was trying to move it into like, cause you had to move it out of the employer's plan when you left the company <laughs> And so, um, I tried to open an account at this other company to move my money into, and it was like a paltry sum, but like, you would not believe the runaround I got. They're like, we don't understand the information you put in the application. They're like, it says here, you're a writer. I'm like, well, yes, that's what I'm going to be. And they're like, well, you listed your income at zero. And I'm like, well, yes, that's also true. And they're like, we don't understand. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I'm leaving my job to become a writer. And right now I have no, I have, I'm going to have no salary, Yeah. but they couldn't, it was humiliating. And like, I hate to, I mean, humiliating it. I mean, things could be a lot worse, but it was more like, I found myself in this really weird back and forth with these people who like, 
didn't understand or were trying to make me explain. Mm-hmm. The bureaucracy and, of all of it. And they it, weren't yeah. going to let me put this tiny sum of money into their company <laughs> just because it had to be like a retirement account. It was some weird, I don't know financial yeah. terms, but, um, and I eventually had to get on the phone with a manager and be like, this is my situation. Can I please, can you please help me? Like, right. it was so embarrassing. Yeah. I'm going to make no money for a period of time. And I don't know how long that time's going to be. Right. Can I please just put my tiny sum of money in this account? Like, right. And eventually they said it was fine, but it was, it was pretty, why would that be a problem? I don't, this is the thing I don't know. (laughs) It's the same as starting a business where you don't know what you're projected. It's like any self-employed business making it up as you go. Yeah. (laughs) It it was just a very strange, again, on the list of stressful things to go through, it was very low. Like it was not a big deal, but it was more, I was reminded of the fact that people don't understand Mm-hmm. There's going to be a different set of rules for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to, this is going to happen again. I'm going to have to explain to people, mm-hmm. you know, no, I do not know where my next paycheck is coming from. It's not coming from an employer. It's not an easy, yeah. understandable situation for people, which kind of brings in all sorts of other insecurities around. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I tried to get a little credit for, or a line of credit for the first time this year. Oh God. Yeah. That must've been fun. <laughs> it was not fun. No, 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 it's not. No. And it makes you feel. Yeah. Even like I was doing my tax return and for the, after I left my job, obviously in the few, the last few months of the year, I was setting up a business. I had like a couple minor costs, but you have to do a profit and loss sheet. And I was like, well, that'd be zero for me. Like, and it's (laughs) weird. I mean, it's okay. It is what it is, but I do my taxes with my partner who's an Australian Mm -hmm. and we've had to file together because, um, we applied as common law to get his, um, permanent residency and citizenship. But it is weird because as an artist, it's just like the way everything comes around and income and everything. We end up having to like claim him as like he like, I don't know this trickery the the like accountant does, but like (laughs) she does this weird thing where like, because he's making so much more money than me, Mm. then like we do like dependence and then independence. And so some things are different and my taxes are always so much more expensive to do because I'm filed as a contractor. Yeah. Lucas is filed as like an employee, uh, an employee. And I'm always like, why are my taxes person who's making less money so much more expensive than you as somebody who's making so much more money than me? Yeah. And he probably gets money back. Yeah. He gets all of his money back. Yep. Yep. I have to like pay every year. It's like the same thing that happens every year. I'm like, call them and I'm like, um, why am I paying money? And I'm also paying you $500. And they're like, because you're a contract worker, it happens every year. And I'm just like, why though? And they're just like, Miss Kearns, we're not going over this with you. <laughs> Please refer to last year's conversation. Yeah. We sent you, the, we sent you the transcript via email. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I'm like, ooh, okay, 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 please take all this money and please don't leave me. <laughs> but it's a bit of an ego blow. Yeah. It's like what you were, we were saying earlier, like, like it or not, you do feel like the more money you get, the more valuable your service must be. Mm-hmm. And, but people don't want to, I mean, anyway, yeah, it's weird. artists and writers and dancers, like, and now you can make a lot. I mean, look at Nora Roberts or Stephen King or mm-hmm. Beyonce. Like, it's <laughs> not to say that you can't make it big. But yeah, I mean, the daily challenges are tougher. You don't have that safety net. No. And your path is unclear. So the endless amount of options that you have yep. is also intimidating. Totally. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That kind of freedom can be paralyzing. Yeah. Um, and it's all you, I mean, I guess you guys have your, your teamwork that you do. So it's not to say that everyone's on their own, 
but I'm like, I was sick back in the summer for about a month and my work just completely stagnated. Mm. Like nobody, it's not that no one can help me. People can help me edit, proofread, Mm. give me their thoughts on a piece, give me advice, but no one can write my story for me. Like that's me. So yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely tricky. (laughs) We have to ask you the question. What's the question? Is being an artist fucking killing you? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Can I give a maybe unconventional answer? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm going to say no, it's not. Okay. I'm going to say no, it's not. It's very difficult in ways that I... But see, I knew what I was getting myself into because mm-hmm. my mother did this. Right. So... Not that other people didn't know what they were getting themselves into, but I feel like, (laughs) but I feel like I went into this with eyes open and I knew what to expect because I've, I grew up in a family where someone was doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I knew what I was getting into. And because as I told you guys before I came here, when I think about it, no matter how bad of a day I have had, and I can give you some examples (laughs) where I'm like on the floor, like, Oh my God, I'm already a failure. Like those kinds of days. <laughs> it's 830. It's 830. <laughs> I'm already failing. My son was late to class. Yeah. And I exactly. yeah. the, the panic spiral, yeah. you know, like, um, it's still, I still feel more connected to my purpose and what I'm doing. And I'm still, I feel so passionately about writing that I, I just, it honestly helps a lot. Like thinking about my, but again, like I'm 11 years older than you guys. Okay. So like (laughs) I had a different life before this point that I can, I just have a different perspective, Mm -hmm. but I have to say that the crippling self-doubt and insecurity (laughs) can be very challenging (laughs) and the fear that like, I might not make it like I'm trying this, for how long I can try it, I don't know. It's going to depend on a lot of variables that I have no control over. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I may have to look in the mirror and be like, I can't do this. I have to go back to law or I have to do something else or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have to face the reality that like, I might not make it and I might not be able to be in my head what a writer. I mean, I, you can always be a writer, but yes. um, I might not be a successful published writer. Yeah. So that's very fear inducing. Yeah. But at least you like did it. Yep. But this is the thing. Like, so when I die, whenever that may be, I really would much prefer a life in which I tried to do it and Mm -hmm. failed than in which I didn't try it at all. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's kind of what I try to remind myself every day when I have these feelings. Mm -hmm. Some, so maybe let me refine my answer. Sometimes (laughs) being an artist kills me, Mm -hmm. but in general, I think, I think it's what I had to do. And I, I honestly have no regrets and I can't say on the whole, like my mental health is better doing this for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I I don't know why exactly than it was before not doing it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It's a great answer. So yeah, Yeah. it's it's complicated. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You can catch me one day and it's great. And one day it's not. Yeah. Right. I finished my, uh, back in October, I finished this draft of my novel that I was so excited about and Then I reread it in November and I was like, wow, like 75% of this just doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm literally going to have to like put it in the discard pile or potential future projects pile. Right. 25% of it is salvageable. The main idea and the main character and some of the big plot points are salvageable, but a lot of it isn't. Mm -hmm. And that was like, 
that was a bad week. I can imagine. I spent so much time. I believe in the project so much, but I'm looking at at least another year of, but yeah, that, that was a hard week. That was like, oh wow, maybe no one will ever publish this. Like maybe, or I'll self-publish it and no one will buy it. Like that's when the, the, the spiral starts. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I'd reached out to a number of contacts that I had. Nobody has emailed me back. I mean, not, I wasn't really asking much more just like, can I get some advice on this? Or like, do you have any ideas about that? And I was like, that added to my panic spiral. I was like, nobody likes me, (laughs) you know, like that type of, it's like, come on. Like that's, that's so ridiculous. But yeah, but some days are good. And I think it's important to remember that good projects take time. That's it. Every time I talk to someone in theater or performance and they're like, yeah, it took us five years to do that. And now you saw it, you saw the finished product. I'm like, oh yeah, Corinne, you don't have to have something done in 12 weeks. But our society is so like, and especially social media, Yes. post every day, share something every day. Well, maybe I haven't written a good poem in a few months, Mm -hmm. but I'm still having to share something. Um, You're totally right. There's There's this writer I love called Annie Dillard, and she wrote this book called The Writing Life. And she writes that it takes between two and 10 years to write a book. Yeah. And some people can do it in under two years, but that's statistically insignificant. Like generally people can't do it. So that helps. Mm -hmm. I mean, reading people you admire, Mm -hmm. learning about their experience, putting things into like perspective is key. Yeah. Maintaining a healthy perspective Mm -hmm. um, and learning from other people for sure. Like finding a support network can really help. Totally. Yeah, these clementines are delicious <laughs> on a different note. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think that's a great place to wrap. Thank, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent clementines. <laughs> yeah. Thank you awesome so much. I'm so honored you guys asked me as I choke on my food. <laughs> um, and yeah, right. I think what you guys are doing is great. Thank you. Yeah. If people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, so you can find me at, uh, the writing saint, uh, on Instagram. Perfect. And, um, I'm working on my website. It should be up soon, and the link will be through my Instagram page. So great. Take us out, Rainy. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you guys. So much. Thank, thank you. you for listening. Um, if you have any questions, comments about what we just talked about, please leave us a review, send us an email, post on our Instagram, do whatever you need to do. Um, rate us, let us know what you thought. You can find us basically anywhere you find podcasts, and check out our Patreon page because we're always looking for new friends. Bye.